Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And I was pr- very myself. I lip synced to Dream Girls in front of the entire oh, school. Please, I was a closeted love. Yeah. Man. I mean, and then when I came out to him, he was like still surprised. I was like, you do realize I was playing Effie White all of four days ago. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast where we ask, whose fault is it that you're gay? I'm Eric Williams, your host, and I'm feeling loopy. Oh, I just have not been sleeping much these days. I was out of town for a wedding this weekend where I actually recorded this episode. So you'll get a little shout out there. Uh, but also, I'm dog sitting for some dear friends right now. And it just just goes to show you where my mental state is at all times, which is always full panic. I woke up every hour just to make sure this dog was breathing. Truly, there was no reason for me to do that. She is a completely healthy, beautiful, sweet dog, but I was just convinced that I would do something wrong to murder it. Her, I hate when people call animals it. She has a personality and dreams just like us. But speaking of dreams, a dream came true for me, and that's to speak with Judy Gold for this week. And I'm really not just saying that. I have loved this woman for the majority of my life. She is so fucking funny, and this episode... I've probably said this before, but I this episode is definitely going to rank as one of my favorites of all time. She is so candid and funny, and if you don't know Judy Gold, she is a stand-up comedian who has had specials on HBO, on Comedy Central, Logo. She's had off-Broadway hits and solo shows have gotten so much acclaim. She's also been on television and many shows that you love. She recently did Search Party, one of my favorites. Also, Netflix's Friends from College. She was on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, among many others and she has an amazing podcast that i listen to it is kill me now and there's a book she has that came out called yes i can say that she gives a little plug at the end of the episode but i'll link all this in the show notes and my friends follow judy gold it is at judy gold however it is spelled j-e-w come on now we love her gay jew uh, so follow her on all social media platforms. Follow me at Eric Wills. And if you're new to the podcast, we've had so many new listeners in the past couple of weeks, and it's made me very, very happy. Do me a favor and subscribe. Uh, follow along on Instagram at KS Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm handing it off to the interview with the iconic Judy Gold. <laughs> This is a gay-ass podcast. This is a gay-ass podcast. It's a gay-ass podcast. Yeah, it is. Gay-ass podcast. Yeah! 
Wow, Judy Gold, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. On that's Thank a gay ass podcast giving us, I guess, our theme song. Uh, is Do I have to yes. pay you for that or can I just kind of take her and run? I think you need to um, go to ASCAP, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, you got it, baby. That's yours. This is a gay ass podcast. Oh my God. Every The hits keep on coming. Everyone better I know. than the last. Listen, Judy Gold, I'm sure you get this all the time, but the fact that you are on That's a Gay Ass Podcast and I get to chat with you for a minute or two, oh my G-D, I am so, so thrilled to meet you and see you. I'm such a fan, and as a gay Jew who's very gay and very Jew, oh my goodness gracious, thank you for coming on. You're welcome, and that is a gay ass podcast. That is Boom. a gay ass podcast. No, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I really. Oh does. my gosh, thank you. I mean, I just there's so much to discuss because I, I I look up to you many ways. I also you know I've been kind of reconnecting with your uh, comedy in order to prep for this, and I was just watching your set from Just for Laughs. Where you were talking about your mother, and mm. I just you know I just there's there's so many things I identify with you because I of course also have a Jewish mom, and I think that there's you know I, I one of my questions even just to start is like you. Does your mom, when she watches your comedy, is there like, is there, is there a fraught relationship? Or because I've had to deal with that myself. Okay. Well, first of all, my mother's dead. Okay. So uh, she's not I'm watching. I'm so sorry. I'm a monster. <laughs> it's okay. You're a monster. No, she died in 2015, but she loved it. And I can tell you so many stories, you know, because people would say that all the time. People would ask exactly what you just asked me. And there's this thing. You know, people always ask me like about, you know, why is it that Jewish mothers are so much part of people's comedy, the Jewish, you know, Jewish comedians. And it's look, I was saying stuff my mother said verbatim. I mean, you know, she was hilarious. Um, But I never, you know, and people would say to her, what do you are you does this bother you? No, it didn't bother her. She was getting a lot of attention, but also like you're a Jew. You know that there's this unconditional love that no matter what you do, your mother still loves you. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, like, totally. we don't we we argue, we you know, you know, we're just we're a very we're a loud people. We we you know, we think out of the box, you know, but even when I wanted to kill her, I knew she loved <laughs> me and she knew I loved her, you know? It would be like, "All right, we're done." Um but there is a story I remember um, when I was doing uh, a gig at Mother's Day at at Caroline's. I used to do Mother's Day all the time. And my mother came in and she had just had – she had had her cataracts removed. And I used to do this joke because I just had a cataract removed because I'm fucking old. But <laughs> she, I, uh, she had her uh, cataracts removed and um the doctor gave her these like enormous sunglasses to wear for like 4 to 6 weeks after the surgery and she was wearing them like for a year and i'm and and i they're huge and uh i was like ma you're supposed to wear them for 4 to 6 weeks and she's like i think they're attractive and i was like oh she looks like b arthur as a welder <laughs> and I did the joke. That wasn't exactly the way the joke went, obviously, because it would have been a little cleaner. But I did the joke, and she was sitting in the front row at Caroline's, and she took the glasses out of her purse and wore them for the rest of the show. 
<gasps> oh, she was eating it up. Yeah, she yeah, was giving she a show it. herself. See, that's what I love to hear because listen, it's like obviously our Jewish mothers have unconditional love, but I always get concerned that when because my mom is also just like me, a very sensitive person, I like had a story where I was doing a show with actually my dear friend Esther Steinberg. You were just on her oh, podcast, yes, yes, yes. Mom, and we actually toured a show around that was very much going in on our Jewish mothers, and we got booked to do it at the JCC in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from. And of course, it was like a very hot ticket. All the Jews were there. And my mom brought 30 of her closest friends. And we just, all these jokes are just like dragging her. And I was very concerned because I was like, I'm not only doing jokes about you, but your entire community is going to be watching. I had to give her so many disclaimers before. And to my mom's credit, and I think just like your mom, she knew it was out of love. And she did great. She did not want to murder me. And I, and again, a lot of it was verbatim too. Did did her friends get, you know, <laughs> pissy or no? Judy, I don't. I want to give you my honest answer, which is, and if anyone's listening that saw that show, please let me know if it's like not how this went. But my honest answer is, the show was like people in New York, people in L- L.A. loved it. It was very like it was a little dirty, it was a little crass, right. but also like whatever. St. Louis, Missouri. I'm going to say there were like 400 people there, and hmm, let's just get. We're gonna say. 40 percent were there for it Ooh, they liked it right and then right 60 percent were like what the fuck am i watching right now and i think that's and and the only the biggest re- takeaway that was given to me after the review was i sang a little part in the show that was like go, from a story and the thing was we wanted him to sing more next time you oh, should just shut up <laughs> shut the fuck up you know I, I, reviewers it's like what is your job i mean <laughs> yes, you know, but it's so subjective and you can what? make or break a person's and like the fact that you, I don't know, I just wait, uh, Judy, you're bringing up another thing that I, I'll make it very brief because this, I was on tour with a musical and a different life and this reviewer in San Francisco sent me kind of like a dm on instagram just like very nice whatever and then he kind of got oh no it was like a facebook message this was like 2014 and uh, i did not flirt back i felt a little weird and Mm -hmm. then my of course my ego was telling me i got a a pretty mean review in the san francisco whatever the newspaper was chronicle the chronicle and part of me thinks it was because i didn't flirt back with this this writer and i i just should have sucked his dick is what i'm saying yeah, it's it's really such a it's that is exactly what I mean when I say it's so subjective. Like you could, I, I don't know. It's just it, it's not I don't, the fact that you do a show and like one person can close that fucking show is not right. It's not right. And plus, you're doing your show in front of all your mother's friends, and her, meanwhile, they could never fucking do what you do. You know. I was watching, this is so great. You know, I was, I love tennis. So I was watching, um, I'm very into the Naomi Osaka thing. Mm. I support her a hundred percent. And Venus was being interviewed about Naomi Osaka. And she said, you know, it's tough. I'm paraphrasing. It's really tough and it's hard. She goes, she said, and you know, it's not fun dealing with the, the media, but I know that the, whoever asked me whatever question, couldn't hold a candle to me, couldn't play tennis the way I will never be able to play tennis the way I do. And that really stuck with me for the past few days. It's like, who the fuck are you? 
Like, who, you, fuck you. You know, well, especially the whole like Ben Brantley situation where, where the Broadway show where if he could, of course, close it with just right. uh, one review. But I I think that what everyone's saying is that I'm also like a huge theater queen. And they're saying that like hopefully Broadway will take a turn once right. it comes back and things will change. But I just don't. I, I hope it does. But I don't know what's going to get better about it. But I do think that reviewers hold too much power. Right. And you're, I agree. They could not do what they are reviewing. Right. And also... You know, you they come to one performance, one. You know, uh, sorry, it, it's it's wrong. I'm sorry. I, I just I think it's ridiculous. And the New York Times, that's it. It's it. Same well, with books. Same with books. Which is just, of course, like for some reason, one reviewer gets all the clout, and then for some reason, we decide that their opinion is the one that, right. that needs to be the one opinion. But can you, for 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 maybe me and some of our listeners, the name of Osaka thing? Can you give me the? I know I've heard a bit that like basically she was refusing to um, do a certain. Was it a certain interview or a certain? Well, media no, thing she then, she said that um, you know the the it, it, doing press and and dealing with the media is very bad for her mental health and she didn't want to do it and they find her and then she just withdrew from the French Open and she's the number one highest paid female athlete in the world and she doesn't want to and all and so many men so many of the male players were like oh it's part of the job and it makes tennis you know and it's like and there and there were some people who mostly women and Michael Phelps he was on her side as well. And I, I tweeted, if, if she had a torn ligament and couldn't play, you wouldn't say a fucking thing. You know, right. this is the shit with mental health. It's like, would you rather she played and then had a breakdown and then, you know, in front of everyone and then you could fucking write about she's mental? Like, what What do you want? Yeah, what's um, your end game? Her goal, her, she's supposed to play tennis. And yes, that's part of the job, but it's not the job, you know? Well, it's also I think you're right that people are not prioritizing mental health as a uh, if, if it's not physical, then it's not real, and that's right. I think what what messes up so many people. And also, like, there's I'm thankful that therapy is having its day. We're getting like less of a stigma because, like, right. speaking of Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps, what is he the spokesperson for? Like, talk space? Oh uh, yes, that? one of the one of the online therapy things. Yeah, I mean, and, that's awesome. That is so awesome, and. Everyone needs fucking therapy. I'm sorry. I agree. Every, I mean, like Jewish or not, but especially Jewish, we definitely need therapy. Like I w- went through a moment where my my therapist retired. I was with her for seven years. And speaking uh-huh. about incredible Jewish women, she Fran, I love her. She's still alive, but like she when she retired i was like my mom had asked me well how old is she and i was like i actually have no idea and then on my last session i was like i know this is you know kind of annoying but my mom asked me how old you are and i realized i've been with you for seven years and i actually have no idea and she was like eric i'm 78 and i was like retire like you deserve take a rest wow she she retired and i did not have a therapist for the first nine or ten months of the pandemic and i was a like a wreck i was and so i the second i got a new therapist i was like oh yeah i just this is a weekly thing for me that's like non-negotiable right right yeah it's very important to talk through your shit and then i also you know i just meditated before i got on here um exercise music Mm. i mean when i don't do that mental health self-care i am a fucking wreck i'm a wreck and plus i'm on meds so do you take meds 
So, Judy, I was so funny because you just tweeted recently about how you wake up with anxiety and you yes. have to really work through it. I am on meds as of uh, seven weeks ago for the first time in my life. Uh-huh. And uh, I, when I was with my therapist, Fran, I would be like, everyone in my family has anxiety. We should all be on meds. How I'm not on meds. Maybe I should right. be. And then she was like, you know what? You're talking it through. I think you're doing well. I don't think you need meds. And I don't know if it was an old school way of thinking. I don't know. But I asked a few times and she said no. My new therapist was like, yeah, get meds. So I am on Zoloft. And I, my honest answer of how it's going is that I don't. No, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's the right one for me. I like, it's not, I'm on, like, I know people say it takes a while. I'm yeah. seven or eight weeks in and I don't think my anxiety is better. I'm currently recording this right now from my in-laws in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm here for my first wedding of the pandemic. So, or like, you know, big wedding for the pandemic. So stay tuned. But, um, I'm like, my anxiety is just maybe because I'm going into a public uh, event, maybe because I've trapped. I don't know what it is. My anxiety is through the roof and I'm like, like t- tapping the Zoloft microphone, like, is this thing on? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's Yeah, if she's it doing does her take job. a while, but it also depends on your dose. I've been on Zoloft. It made me throw up. Um, which but I was so skinny. Uh <laughs> now I I I I they switched my meds because I was I gained so much weight. And um then the pandemic because I was on Paxil, and mm-hmm. then the pandemic hit and I was on Luvox and um I still, I gained 12 pounds from the pandemic. I'm like, put me back on Paxil because I'm so fucking anxious. Uh, so now, and, and, you know, my doctor was like, you should get off these. And, and I really think that she doesn't realize, like, I wake up, I have diurnal depression. I had a really bad depression in 2010. And I, and I, and that means I have diurnal depression. So I, during the day is when I'm like, you know, like really anxious and depressed. And it's when the sun goes down that I feel, oh, OK, I feel like a lift. And oh. a lot of people have uh, nocturnal depression where they can't sleep and they're, you know, and then during the day they're fine. And so once I had this depression and I would wake up like in a panic, like terrified panic when it was really bad. And Mm. I realized that I always woke up anxious, like as even as a little kid, not to that extent, you know? Right. And, you know, through meds and therapy, I gained the tools to, okay. Cause I wake up right. And I'm fine. And then I'm like, Oh, then it's dread, Mm. you know? So I have to like in my head say, all right, just get up, just get up. Go brush your teeth, make your bed. You know, there's certain things that get me. But it, mm-hmm. this sense of dread when I wake up, I really, if I could get rid of that, I would feel, I, I, I don't know, I would feel so much better. But it's, it's like diabetes. It's just a thing. It's a thing right. and it's chemical. And when I was depressed, like when I had that really bad clinical depression, if you look at my, you know, they took blood and stuff like that. You can see that it it was a physical chemical thing. Right. You know, my blood work was completely different when mm. I was depressed. 
Well, that's, and, that's what people don't realize is that how anxiety and depression can actually affect your physical state. Right, and that's right. why it's all connected. Because like for me, talking about actually the show with Esther, it's so it's silly because when I, I tried it, I've, I've been working on trying to get out of my own way because my anxiety becomes imposter syndrome. And even when I was starting this podcast, oh, I was yes, like, yes. not a single person will listen. I'm a piece of shit. Why would I even do this? And of course, the second I took a risk, it like really paid off and it's been wonderful. But I, with my show with Esther that we actually toured, it was my first we wrote the show ourselves it was called esther and eric's one woman show it was like a very silly yes idea we, we talked about that oh That's my god so amazing funny. yeah we had no idea if it was going to be received in any way that like made sense and luckily of course it did but before the first time we did the show i my anxiety was so bad no joke i developed such bad stomach issues i saw a gastroenterologist i had an endoscopy done they yes. were like you're just super anxious you're very inflamed i started taking medication and then of course i did the show keep in mind the first time we did the show it was for like a small it was at the creek in the cave in long island city it was like a small group of people for of 12 people but for some reason my body was in full right like, fight or flight mode and um it taught me like again i need to really lean on the tools to know that the world is not going to end if i like take a little risk and then also clearly having a medical or a medicine combination probably would be good for me so i'm hoping to find the the concoction or the cocktail are you at this point do you feel like you have found a good a good well i just medicine? i just switched um back and elisa my lover said she thinks i'm much calmer um mm. and yeah i've been on i like sometimes i lay in bed i'm like oh my god i've been on so many meds like what is going on with my fucking brain um but it there's this part of you you have to accept yourself but also this idea that other people's opinions are going to decide how you feel about yourself is yeah. so fucking wrong, you know? And that's that's what's wrong with, with showbiz. It's like, okay, you're hot, you're hot. Oh, sorry, bored with you. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why it's, it's all about being authentic, you know, being tr true, true to yourself, and also just reinventing yourself and creating mm -hmm. and creating and yes absolutely some people get really lucky and you're like yep. oh my fucking god really and they get a job and they get on a show and it gets syndicated and they're set for the rest of their life yes mm -hmm. that is true and you're like what the fuck um and then there's people like you and me who have to constantly you know create content and do, you know, theater. I mean, I love theater, it, but it doesn't pay anything. But like nope. the fact that you and Esther did that show live, there's nothing that compares to that. Sorry, mm -hmm. nothing. Um, and, you know, telling your story and, you know, taking risks and all that stuff is so scary, but it's so satisfying and gratifying, yes. you know? And it's just hard because you watch other people and you're like, what? You know, um, how the fuck? And well, it's clear that the, some of the people that I think get really far are, of course, the talent is not any more than other people, but it's because they are able to just put it out there and see what happens. And if you keep doing that. It's also, you know, I've learned because I've been doing this for so long. There's sort of a ruthlessness to a lot of people um a confidence or an air of confidence mm. 
or a, you know what? No one's going to get in my way. You know, this, and I am not that person. Um, I'm really sensitive, even though I act like, you know, fuck you, fuck you. But Mm -hmm. I am very empathetic. And so, and I also, like, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, which people ask me, you know, I remember, the thing is, uh, the thing I would say would be follow your gut, because my gut was never wrong. And whenever I went against my gut, I was right, you know, I got screwed. Um, right. like when you get that feeling like, oh, this person's like, I don't, I get a weird feeling about this. But you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Follow that. You know, um, it's a shitty, shitty business. It really is, especially for women mm-hmm. and gays and gay women. And it's very ageist. It's very ageist. It's like, I've never been funnier because I've been doing this since I'm 19 years old, you know, and yet. You know, Netflix says you don't fit our algorithm, but there are plenty of guys my age and older who have specials on Netflix. Oh, um, that makes me angry. Judy yeah, Cole. that and, makes me angry. Yeah, it's a woman over fifty in in stand up. It's it's not easy. It's like no one wants to hear what you have to say. Fuck you. Yes, they do. And yeah, and also that's completely incorrect. I think that that's right. like negating people like me who would be obsessed to see something like that. Right. You know, I Joan Rivers is was my you know be all and end all mentor. And she was never more relevant than when she died at 82. Hmm. She was on the cusp of, you know, any sort of, you know, pop culture thing. She started the red carpet. She was a fucking genius. And when she died, uh, which was awful, but, but Chris Rock said she was the Mount Rushmore of comedy. Her, she affected everyone, no matter what kind of comic you are, what, where you came from, her, her fearlessness and never apologizing for a joke and speaking mm. truth to power and supporting other comics. She came to every one of my one person show. She was fucking. And yet, and she also every Broadway opening and she, she, she also wrote a play and was nominated for a Tony in the sixties. And they still wouldn't dim the fucking lights for her. When she died, we ha- people just, you know, said, fuck you. You know, we were fighting and fighting. Um, how dare you? And they finally did. But it was like, to the end, she had a fight. Um, yeah. Well, talk about, like, reinventing yourself. Yeah. And I mean, when I watched that documentary about Joan Rivers, it was like unbelievable to see how much she was hustling still as you know her career was decades long right. and i think that's very much what you are saying is just like yeah. you, the reinventing and the the tenacity it takes to continue on it's it's no wonder why a lot of people of course get into their 30s 40s whatever and decide that it's just like enough is enough and right. i you know i went to college for for theater for acting and it's you know i think there's a pretty small percentage of people i'm 31 and i think there's a, a, a lot of us have still kind of gotten out of it because it's just sometimes it's not worth it and i during the pandemic have really <laughs> had those thoughts of like should i just be really good at a corporate job and make a ton of money and be able to have the baby via surrogacy how i want to and boo 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 but you know i'm still here she's still standing but of course every couple of days i'm like but should i I know, but it's, uh, are you going to be happy? Right. I, I, I mean, I had two kids. I raised two kids as a comedian, you know? Uh, 
Well, it another reason why easy. I look up to you in so many ways because I, you know, you are, you done it, you're doing it. And I mean, I do want to talk about that. Like you, what, what was your journey? Have you always wanted to be a parent? And then when you actually were able to have children, like, was it, how did it feel to be this, this gay woman that was just like, yes, I'm a fucking mom? Well, I, first of all, I, my ex, I was with her for 20 years. Um, and we had talked about having children. And there was a point, I was about your age, I think. And she was like, okay, I want to have, and I'm like, no, my career, my career, my career, my career. And it took, thank God, it took a few years for her to get pregnant. But she said, well, I'm having this baby with or without you. And I'm like, fine, we'll have a baby. And I was so scared. Um, I mean, this is the early 90s, early mid 90s. And then it took two and a half years. And I was in LA. I had just done a ser- two series. I was on All American Girl with Margaret Cho. I'd done an HBO special, and I had booked another sitcom right after um, All American Girl got canceled. And Sh- Sharon got pregnant, and she was like, "All right, you got to pick. We-, we can either live here in LA, or we can live." bring the kid up in New York. I'm like, Oh fuck. And I always wanted to bring my kid up in New York. Like that was uh, because I didn't get that experience. I grew up in New Jersey. My mother grew up in Manhattan. uh, And she would always say it would have been so much easier to raise you in Manhattan. And the only reason I was in LA was because of work. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I want to, I want to go back to New York, which my fucking agent and manager were like, you fucking ass, you know, because at that time there was no, Nothing was shooting in New York, but right, whatever. So Sharon gave birth to Henry in 1996, and I was at, I don't know, I was in New York, and I, you know, I was in this like, oh my God, what, how am I going to do this as a comedian? Oh, and I got to work and blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know. And Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell, is like, oh, I want to meet Henry, you know, because she had just had Parker the year before. And uh, she loves kids, babies. So I went over there and she's like, why don't you uh, send in a writing submission to my show? Uh, so, you know, you know, you can work for like 13 weeks and you don't have to go on the road and you can be home. And I'm like, OK. And I ended up sending in this writing submission and she did one of the jokes the following day. And then I got hired and I worked on that show for two seasons, which was fucking great. Um, and I also I had been not really out on stage but the minute mm-hmm. i had a child i was like i really came out on stage as a gay parent because it was like what kind of message am i giving my kid if i'm like you know what we don't talk about our family right. i was proud of my family and i also <clears throat> you know every comic talks about their families why shouldn't i talk about mine and i can't tell you how many you know after a few minutes people forgot that it was like two women right that because it's the same shit that they could relate to and people did come up to me afterwards and be like oh i see why you you know i did i remember i used to do a bit about all the people that were allowed to get married uh and i can't (laughs) so it was like you know um the menendez brothers got married (laughs) in jail um uh, Mary Kay Letourneau married her 13-year-old student. You know, mm. uh, Jerry Sandusky has more rights than I do, you know. And I would go on and on about these. And I can't get married. I can't, you know. 
And it really, it changes your perspective because it's not all about you. And you see this person you're bringing into the world who you want to, you know, impart good values and and watch them navigate, you know, through the world having, I mean, 96, Henry was born. And then I had been in uh, 2001. So I had adopted Henry, second parent adoption, which... Mm-hmm was legal because of Woody Allen. You know, Woody Allen did sort of a, I think, a second parent adoption. He was the... Oh, right, right, Yeah. And so, okay, so we went to court. I had all the paperwork done. It took like nine or 10 months to get a court date, and I adopted Ben. I mean, Henry, Henry. And then in 2001, I had Ben, and Sharon, my ex, hadn't adopted him because she was always like, I'll get to the paperwork. And, you know, and we end up separating in 2004 and she still hadn't adopted him and it was a precedent setting case in the state of new york because uh, we went to court i allowed my parent my of course my family was like don't you you know you're broken up and you know and i'm like shut the fuck up i wouldn't have you know we decided together to have these kids and i didn't want henry going back and forth Oh and no, ben that would be no, many levels they, of fucks up. Right. So they're they're I want they're brothers. They're brothers. Even though they have no gen there's not it's not the same. We used an anonymous sperm donor, but mm-hmm. they had run out of the sperm for Henry, and so we had to get new sperm for Ben. But whatever. And it was a precedent set in case the judge allowed her to adopt him, even though we didn't live together, we she wasn't genetically linked uh-huh. to him. And you know, that was I think that was a great, I think that was a good, you know, I'm really glad I did that um, yeah. for the boys, for the boys. And then at Ben's Bar Mitzvah, Sharon actually said thank you to me, which was, you know. But, I got chilies. Yeah, but I have to say, when we were in the judge's chambers that day for um, Ben's adoption, after she said, I'm going to grant you this uh Henry looked at Ben and said, oh, she said something like, do you understand to the kids? And Henry looked at Ben and said, now we're full brothers and hugged each other. Oh, my God. I know. Right. And so, you know, you can't. That's the thing. You got to put your kids first and what's best for them. Even though I could have been annoyed with Sharon and I could have been. You know, like fuck you, and it's just like, what? What does that do? That just fucks your kids up, right? Um, no, as good lesbians, we still talk to each other, and do, you know, thank and, God for that. And also, when my mother died, you know, I couldn't f- have Shiva in my apartment because it was s- too small, mm-hmm. and she, it, you know, she had a really big apartment, and um, we did Shiva at her house. She did the Shiva. Wow. Yeah. I mean, gosh, so many le- so many layers, so many lesbian Jewish layers there. I know. But um but I do I mean, Elisa is the fucking best. Elisa my I lover. love that. I mean, yeah. it's it's such a great story because, you know, I I I my husband and I have only we've been together for like 8 it'll be 8 years and we would love to have children. We're gonna have children. We just, you know, we're at the age where we're not ready. And I definitely have to have like the career thoughts, but also just like 
it's financially so tough and you know we're at the point where a lot of our my our siblings and friends are having babies and i love babies i love children so right. much and i can't wait to be a dad but also i part of us are, are not even thinking about planning because it seems it it's i know it's not impossible but it feels impossible yeah it feels so, overwhelming yeah but very you'll do overwhelming it. you'll do it when you're ready you're only 31 i was yeah um how old was i when ben was born 2001 I think I was 38 or 39. So, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about your body. Like you're not carrying the baby. So, well, that's, what's interesting too, is I think, cause women of course always are put, in, in many scenarios are given or put pressure on about like, well, if, if, if you're married, if you're with a partner for a long time, when are you having babies? When are you having babies? And it's such like a, a gross thing. Up. Exactly. But I've, it's, I've by no means do I have any part of the female experience. I would not claim that, but I have gotten a small taste of that because I'm starting to get, because of my siblings and people around me having babies, I am, my husband you're, and I are starting, we're starting to get the, well, when are you going to pop one out? When's right. it happening for you? And it's like, you know, I'll let you know when the GoFundMe goes live. Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> also, yeah, that's the thing. For I think I was 34 with Henry and 39 with Ben. And, you know, the thing is, it took two and a half years for Sharon to get pregnant with Henry. And no one was saying, oh, when are you going to have kids? Um, <laughs> at that <laughs> time. But here's such, this is such a great story. So in... In about 2004, right right when Sharon and I broke up, Rosie did her first gay family, our family vacation. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever saw that documentary. And um, it was she had taken over one of the um, Norwegian Dawn yes, ships. Yes. Okay. I did watch that. I'm a huge Rosie and Stephanie yeah. Jesse fan. Continue. Okay. So on that ship, it was so, this is the first one of its kind. and it And it was so interesting because you saw... So many blended families and you saw so many people who were out for a week of their whole lives. You know, they were out of the closet on the ship and then had to go back to their fucking, I live in, you know, Alabama and I, no one knows. And I remember I talked to the staff of the ship and they, this was the first time they were doing like a gay family cruise and they were really nervous, you know, like what to expect. And they said the kids were the most well-adjusted and well-behaved because they were all wanted. None of them were mistakes, you know, and and they had all these, you know, kid activities and, you know, babysitting at night and stuff like that. And it was like when we got off that ship, it was like the staff was crying. It was it was amazing. And the bonding of these kids saying, oh, my God, I have two moms. I have two dads. I have, well, you know, it was it was really incredible. That was such a wonderful uh, experience. But that that's the thing. So beautiful. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like it's not like I used to say this in one of my shows. You know, it's not like we got drunk one night and started dialing <laughs> up the sperm bank. You know, we you have to plan. It's not yeah. easy, and those children are so beloved because it wasn't. It's not, you know, okay, stick it in. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll see if, see what happens. And they're really, they're incredible people. Um, yes. And, and there's I, actually, there's yeah. a video going around right now that is on TikTok, I think, of these two dads when their baby is born. And one of the dads is like weeping. And yeah. then there's a girl that posts a video of her reacting and she's weeping. And it's like, it's, it's that in a nutshell. It's just like this baby is so wanted and so loved. And I mean, I, I can because, see why. Because, you know, think about it, Eric. 
you know, when I think about in my lifetime, I grew, I was born in 1962. Okay. Never in my life did I think that I was going to be able to marry a woman. You know, that's mm. why I love Edie Windsor so much. The fact that, that the, they got engaged in 1967, that it was a thought in their head that they were going to have equal rights. Robin Tyler, another um, great, she she was the first one to petition for marriage in California. She was she's a comic uh, or an ex comic, whatever. But um, it, it's just that these people wanted to, you know, believe that this was going to happen. And meanwhile, you know, I grew up in the seventies, and and you know, even in the eighties when I came <clears throat> came out to my friends, you know, most of us were closeted. Um, because it could be the end of your fucking career. You couldn't tell your family. It was awful. And then AIDS hit, unfortunately. And these men couldn't hide it. You couldn't hide it. They're walking to skeletons walking down the street, you know? Um, and it, unfortunately, AIDS really brought the community together. Mm. And, um, and you think about how far we've come from even when I was a little kid that now we can get married and we can have families. And so, for me, it was like I had to get on stage and say, look, I have a family and I'm gay and I have two straight sons, unfortunately. And <laughs> um, and I had to be truthful. And it definitely had an impact on my career, but I don't care because I couldn't live with myself without, you know, and, and my kids have because it was not. Every kid has to, you know, was it, they were the first kids in their daycare that had mm-hmm. same sex parents. And, and even in school, it, you know, they're so, they always speak up, you know, Ben's a, an athlete and, you know, he hears the word faggot on the court all the time. And I, he, I remember when, once he was playing basketball after school and uh, this kid was like, using the word faggot. And then after the game, he said, why do you hate gay people? And the kid's like, I don't hate gay people. And he said, well, when you talk like that, it sounds like you hate gay people, you know, and, and just those skills, those things. And it was, and Henry, Henry was playing baseball and again, faggot, faggot, faggot. And he went up to the umpire and was like, or he, you know, he said, don't you fucking, I have two mothers. Don't call me a faggot. And the, other team's coach came over and apologized and then came out to his team. Isn't that fucking amazing? Judy, no. Yes. Yes. Where the fuck is that movie? I know. But it's just, I'm just saying, you know, Harvey Milk always said, come out, come out, come out. Because once everyone knows that they know and love a gay person or a trans person or any other queer person, you know, that's when the world changes. It's like, look at Dick Cheney. You know, mm-hmm. I fucking, I hate everything about him. But, you know, when his daughter came out, he supported her and supported gay marriage. Because right. it's like, oh, my God. You know, the, all these people think, you know, we're indoctrinated. Like, I had straight parents. They did nothing to make me gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. My kids are so fucking straight. It's beyond annoying. <laughs> you know but it's also i think it's so true like putting a face to something it means it means the world i mean when i came out i swear to god someone said to me they said wait a minute is the way that you like guys is that the way that i like girls and i was like yes 
that's as simple as it is. I just happen to like right. guys. And I think like it it totally opens people's minds. And like you're saying about trans rights too, I think it's because it's much more talked about and hopefully becoming much more accepted that there are way more people that are coming out as trans because it's it's becoming safer too. And I hope that just like for gay people, now it's a possibility for me to have a family because of right. all of the work that's been done. I'm hoping for trans people that it's more of an accepted uh, world that it's safer to be uh, to be out and 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 proud and um I, I I just think all of those stories are I mean the the if I was in school with Ben and Henry Judy oh my gosh I would be so thankful oh to have yeah to, they would have um, yeah totally always well, and, and, uh, you know I came out to my brother my younger brother because he was at that age where he you know people were saying that things were gay and I and he has grown up to be the most sensitive amazing person who does happen to be straight and he said. To to I think my other brother he was like you know I bet you really want to he like made some gay joke gay slur and then my brother who had other brother knew I was gay at this point I was not out to my younger brother because he was like 11 or 12 he was young and so I finally was like you know what you can't you do do not say that being gay is an insult because I am I'm one of those I'm a gay person and his face dropped wow. and he was like saw a ghost and I said and I tried to make a joke I was like yeah so you can't be mean about gay people because I'm one of them and it was like you just gotta and he immediately I saw his world change and he is now like the most, like biggest ally and so you know right. loves Matt my husband and he's just the uh, the most amazing person but I think you know if you don't nip it in the bud when you're yelling faggot as an insult or you know that's so gay there's a very famous hillary duff little disney psa where hillary duff goes up to two girls who had said something looks gay and she's like you know when you say that it's and she gives she teaches them how it's not right to say and we need more hillary duffs more bens and henry's in this world oh yeah we need our straight allies so much um yes and it's also i mean when you think about it when you just break it down all we're asking is for equality and dig to live our lives with dignity. And that's like, when you think about, I don't know if you follow the AIDS Memorial on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, you look at all the lives that were lost and so many of those men and women who died from AIDS at the, you know, they were estranged from their families and they would live with their partners for, you know, 10, 20 years. And, at the end, the family would come in and be like, get the fuck out of here. You know, none of this stuff is yours. They're coming home with us. Uh, you know, uh, people evicted from their homes. Uh, people not allowed to visit their partners in the fucking hospital because they're not, you know, next of kin. Mm -hmm. You know, these are all the issues. Like when people, when, when gay marriage passed, I, and I say this to people all the time. That day, there was more marriages in New York than any other day. Where did they go? Did they go to church? Did they go to synagogue? No, they went to town fucking hall because it's a transaction. It's mm -hmm. not about your religion and your stupid beliefs because you read a book and you have to interpret it as, like, you know, from thousands of years ago. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? They went to town hall so that their relationship could be protected just like yours. They can get health insurance. They can visit that person um, in, in the hospital, in the ICU. That right. they, God forbid we yeah. have human rights. 
I right. mean, that's, but you know, I think that it's, it's so important to look back and see how crazy long it took to get to, to these rights and just hope that they're for more marginalized people. It's like right. a basic sense of dignity. I do want to say that I could literally talk to you for 15 hours. Oh, however, I love I, you. I do need to get to the podcast question that is so famous. The okay. Podcast- wait, Eric, I want to know about Matt. What, what does he do? And then we can go. So Matt is a beautiful Georgia peach who is from Atlanta. We met at when we were both doing musical theater and we were at an audition for you. Ready, Judy Gold? Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. We were auditioning for a production of Fiddler on the Roof and um, uh, neither of us got cast. Thank you for asking. And he um, ended up, I saw his name on the sign-up sheet. We had been flirting a bit and basically I got his name, looked him up on Facebook, sent a message. The rest is history. And he now is... Is he has thankfully left the theater business and he is a works in marketing and he is and he's in, like killing his job and we actually are in the planning hopeful uh, stages of moving to LA and so that's a very big a very big thing that's happening but he's just like very oh, he's a uh, Catholic we had a pretty Jewy wedding and it was a very Jewy gay wedding in Atlanta Georgia and it just like it's you know it's it's all happened in ways that i didn't expect when we first met i wasn't i told a couple friends this i was like he is beautiful he is so he's a little shy but i love to get him out of his little box because i can tell there's a freak underneath right and then we started dating and things got you know a little more serious but again i was like i don't know if i want to maybe i want to marry a jew maybe i don't know if this is just a for now thing i was you know young i was very young and so one thing led to another where we like had a tough patch about three years in where I was like, maybe we shouldn't be together. And then we really worked on our stuff and became even stronger. And then we got engaged after being together for like five, five years. And then we got married at six years. And, um, you know, it's, I, my straight twin brother spoke at, he, you know, read a little thing at the wedding and my grandfather who was 92 years old, he did the blessing, um, over the challah and the wine. And oh. he came up to me after the ceremony and he said it was the most beautiful ceremony he's ever seen. This oh. 93 year old man from Missouri. It was I like love that. the most touching and he's still kicking and he just made, he etched us a little, he's his, in his age now, he's just like coming up with hobbies and he's now etching designs into bottles. He got an empty bottle of wine. He etched a design of our initials with hearts and he put drama masks on it. Oh my God. I love him. I fucking love him. What's his Poppy. name? Poppy. Poppy. He's Maurice. His name is Maurice, and we call oh, him Poppy. I love him. Love him so much. So I, you know, I'm very grateful because, of course, at, you know, things could have gone a different way. Yeah. And my my in laws are so. I mean, my my mother in law, she was the person who put together the ketubah. She helped us get the frame together. And this is a woman who is Catholic from the day she was born. She works at a Catholic school, but she was the one that figured out how to put two glasses into a little case so that we could both step on them oh. because it was important to me for us both to step on glasses. And so she was the one that sewed together the little napkin thing and it was just like don't I mean, you of course, love it was, that that respect that. it was incredible my mother because- was like that too my mother like would get mass cards for our neighbors and stuff what ugh. is it now it's just so divisive and ugh, whatever i know i know i know oh but, yeah, i'm so I, happy for you even though there thanks. is a um football helmet behind you i don't know what the fuck that's about <laughs> well this is a, this is a fake background so i will say it is it is fully fake. Thank you oh so much. God, the lighting hilarious. is very professional. But you need to know that actually my husband's family, Matt went to, he went to University of Alabama. And so I had to learn to be like 
Roll Tide, and I had to learn. Yes, about my niece went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elisa's yes, niece go went there. Crimson Tide. Yeah. I mean, Roll I Tide. Truly, I still could not care less, but at least I know what to say. Um, so listen, okay. Judy Gold, you, I want to ask you who, what or who do you blame for making you gay? You're, you're growing up. Was there like an actress? Was there a movie? Was there, what, what, what do you think it is? Here's the thing. I, I, I you know, this, that you, you feel like I always knew I was different, but you don't know what it is until yeah. you're, you know, an adolescent You're like, Oh, and I always wanted to be with, like, I'd be obsessed with one friend. But, you know, Barbara Eden uh, from Bewitched definitely mm. made me a lesbian. Barbara <laughs> Eden. What, so Barbara Eden, was there like an awakening moment or was it just like the second you saw her, you just knew? I, I, I don't even know if I knew what it was, but I fucking loved Barbara Eden. I fucking loved her obsessed. And, you know, it's just so funny when I think back, I was like totally a tomboy totally like i need a short haircut i'd never wanted to do any of the girl things i wanted to mow the lawn <laughs> and shovel the snow and blah, blah, blah. um and barbara eden just fucking barbara he was she I was so gorgeous i mean yeah she was my first i think that's and it's all it's also very relatable is that like for some reason i was talking about this actually with last week's episode is that there's you know uh, there's for some reason even though kids you know haven't hit puberty or like are still you you can still know a lot of times like i was a very gay kid yeah. i was seven years old doing my twirls i only wanted to i loved purple and pink and you know my mom said she always had a feeling but you know this is i'm born in 1989 in missouri where just like it and saint like i've gotten dragged for saying missouri i'm from st louis it's it's i know it's a great amazing big right. city and i am thankful oh but it still is in missouri and um it and i when i did come out it was still kind of shocking even to my family i mean my twin brother i he, we were in obviously every class together in school and and i was pr- very myself i lip synced to dream girls in front of the entire oh, school please, as a closeted love. yeah man i mean and then when i came out to him he was like still surprised i was like you do realize i was playing effie white all of four days ago <laughs> that's the funniest thing to me it's it's like listen i made you call me ringo and or robert when i was a kid i had short hair i you know it, you're surprised like <laughs> my mother used to come over and and uh we had this two bedroom apartment and uh one bedroom this so this is pre cell phone so one bedroom was had a day bed and and a desk and the other bed the other bedroom had a queen size bed with two alarm clocks on each side of the bed and my mother used to come over and be like, you know, come to sleep over and uh, be like, oh, I'll just go in your room. I don't want to kick Sharon out of her. But I'm like, Ma, there's two alarm clocks. What do you think? She's just a piece of shit who lives on a fucking twin size day bed with a desk in her room. You know, I don't want to go. In her, I don't want to. I don't want to disrupt her. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, go with the other room. So, yeah. And then she acts like surprised. When, I mean, you've slept over. Whatever. Well, we see sometimes we see what we understand That's and then right. we and then we understand more yeah. and then we see more. Well, Judy Gold, the last question before we say goodbye is a very important question. What do you love about Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg. First of all, I know Whoopi Goldberg and she's amazing. But 
I'm going to tell you what I love about Whoopi Goldberg. In 1984, Whoopi Goldberg did a one-woman show on Broadway that catapulted her career. That show had such a profound impact on me. She was fucking brilliant. And I realized this is what I want to do. Like this is, this is theater. This is, she was fucking great. And I followed her ever since I was lucky enough at that age in 84 to, you know, go, well, the theater wasn't like, you know, it is now where you can't fucking go because tickets are so expensive. Mm. And, and she, uh, when I, did you ever see that show? Yes. I mean, Whoopi is, is my, my everything. Yeah. It, it's fucking amazing. And she's an EGAT, you know? And she's well, one of like, I think one of 16 people who, who has that. Yeah. It, well, the reason, I mean, she, I, Sister Act 2 is what made me gay. I, I watched Dolores Van Carte with actually my good friend who still to this day is one of my closest friends. She and I were, I've talked about her before. We would watch Sister Act 2 every weekend. And I, in my back of my head, was like, I guess we're going to get married because I don't right. see myself being with anyone else. Right. And then we came out one year apart from each other. Like, we were just both these gay people that were so drawn to Whoopi. And, and she is just, she is my everything. I, I, and the fact that you know her, it's like, I, I'm now, she's I'm, a great. I'm a Degree, person, a She's degree a great away person. from Whoopi Goldberg. Judy, yeah, you are. You are. You've given me a very big gift on this on this June day. Yeah, and she's a Scorpio like me. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Wait, before we go, did you read in the in the? I think it was in the New York Times. These people who are getting married and they're just friends, but they just want to get married and they have no sexual relationship. They're literally just friends and they want to be life partners. This sounds vaguely familiar. Wait, yeah. what? What's the what's the take? Is it just because they want the the they want to? I, I don't know. I, I just am like, okay, we fought our fucking asses off, and now you're friends, <laughs> and you know, and a lot of them are same sex, um, but they're just friends. Judy, I don't know. I don't know about just, this. I, I mean, just want to let you know that that that's the next frontier that's the next frontier i yeah. mean well have you heard the Whoopi goldberg quote where she says she won't get married because she doesn't want a stranger in her house yeah <laughs> I, I mean it's like i it, like so now friends are gonna be in the it's yeah. it's you know what uh, god god bless and good luck living together yeah. and not fucking because yeah. if, if there's anything that at least you can at least get your rocks off yeah. even though you hate each other um listen judy gold it is a dream come true to have you on get that's a guest podcast and i'm so thankful you're here and i want to let everyone know judy has an amazing Amazing podcast, and I was gonna. Uh, the guests on your podcast are incredible. Oh, Michelle okay. Buteau is an amazing episode. There's a Joey Fatone moment, a Wayne yeah. Fetterman moment. It's called "Kill Me Now." Um, and please follow Judy. Of course, I'll give all the socials. What about my book? Interests. What about my book? And your book, Judy Gold has an amazing book. It's called "Yes, I Can Say That." When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's all about free speech uh, from the perspective of a comedian, um, and it's great. And the audio book. I hate to say this because we had that discussion was featured in the New York Times book review. Um, but it's called Yes, I Can Say That. And if you love comedy and you want to understand where stand up comedians are coming from and how they shouldn't be vilified for telling a fucking joke then you yes. should read this book. Yes. Oh, Judy, that is so... Well, everyone, please get the book, listen to the audiobook, listen to the podcast, follow Judy. Thank you for being on, and I cannot wait to hopefully get to see you again in this lifetime, Judy. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Eric, for having me.
This is a gay ass podcast. This is a gay ass podcast. It's a gay ass podcast. Yeah, it is. Gay ass podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. What did I tell you? A perfect guest. And she also wrote my new theme song for free. It's just the gifts. The gifts she gives. They do not end. Please follow Judy Gold at Judy Gold, J E W D Y. And you got to listen to her podcast. It is called Kill Me Now, along with buying her book, Yes, I Can Say That, linked in the show notes. If you are a new listener, please subscribe or follow along to the podcast. And I would love to have your five star review in there with a little love note. Also, follow me at Eric Wills, and the show podcast is at Gay Ass Podcast. We actually, next week's guest, I, I'm feeling like insane how amazing the, the guests are uh, that we have. So you you do not want to miss this comedian. He is next level. And also, really fucking hot. Thanks for listening to That's a Gay Ass Podcast. See you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.